morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're continuing our series of messages through the gospel according to Luke. Uh, you know, when you read the New Testament, you're going to see that Israel's divided into three primary regions at this point. We see the northern part is known as Galilee, right in the middle is Samaria, and the lower section is known as Judea. We've been reading through uh, Luke so far. We uh, are in chapter 9 today. We know a little bit of historical background about Luke. We know that he was a physician. We know that he traveled with the Apostle Paul. He was a well-educated individual, well-traveled. Uh, we see this through his usage of the Greek language, his knowledge of geographical details. And one important detail is that Luke is the only Gentile to write any portion of the New Testament. Uh, he wrote to someone named Theophilus, or at least uh, it could be an individual. Uh, could be Theophilus as in uh, as what it means, Theo God and Philus referring to love, so the one that God loves. Maybe it is addressed just in generally to those that God loves. But the most important thing, the one that I want us to look at uh, before we jump in, is Luke's purpose in writing his gospel account. He tells that in Luke chapter 1, verse 4, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, he wants the reader of the gospel account of Luke to know with absolute certainty the things concerning Jesus, his ministry, uh, his life, the things concerning uh, the things that they were instructed concerning Jesus. Well, that should be our goal as well. If that's Luke's goal in writing the book, when we read it, that should be our goal. And I want you to know with certainty about the person and the work, the ministry of Jesus Christ. So as we approach chapter 9, chapter 9's theme is to answer this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? While each section of this chapter uh, really could be a sermon by itself, our goal is to see the big picture and to see the theme that's running throughout the narrative. We covered uh, chapter 6 in an earlier podcast, so if you want to listen to chapter 6, it's found uh, an Apple podcast, I think episode 172 uh, begins uh, chapter 6. But within chapter 6, in that podcast, in that message, we discover that Jesus had a lot of remedial teaching. And what do I mean by that? Well, the term remedial comes from the root word remedy. Jesus has to fix or remedy what many of the Jewish people have already learned. Their preconceived ideas of who the Messiah will be, what the Messiah will do. And they have all of these ideas, and they have to uh, a need to unlearn some of the things and to begin to think of them a little bit differently. And that's what Jesus is doing now again in chapter 9. People have certain ideas of what the Messiah should be doing. Some may think of the Messiah only in a political sense. So some may think of the Messiah as just another great prophet or even an Old Testament prophet who has returned. Well, Jesus wants to make sure that the disciples know who he is. And that's extremely important. Now, the structure of chapter 9 will require a little bit of back and forth within the text. I actually outlined this chapter three different times, uh, trying to figure out what is the best way to structure this to illustrate the connection between the question that's being asked, and that is, who is Jesus, and then the answers themselves that's found within the chapter. 
So let's jump in with key point number one, and we'll unpack it from the scriptures. Key point number one is this. The Tetrarch was perplexed by Jesus. Jesus is a better leader. He is the only one worth following. Let me say that again. The Tetrarch was perplexed by Jesus. Jesus is a better leader. He is the only one worth following. Now let's unpack that. Uh, from the, let's look at the scriptures a little bit closer. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Then he, that's Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and then from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, heard of all that was done by him, referring to Jesus. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. Now we'll pause there just for a moment. Here we have Herod Antipas. He's asking that question, who is Jesus? Who is this of whom I hear such things? He wants to know who Jesus is. Now, well, first of all, let's let's do a little bit of background. Who is this Herod? Who is Herod Antipas? Well, one of the he is one of the surviving sons of Herod the Great. Now, when I say Herod the Great, I don't mean that he was a wonderful leader. I mean Herod the Great, uh, as in uh, he he was uh, he ruled a great area. Uh, he was certainly not great. He was a tyrant, but he's known as Herod the Great. Uh, you may recall uh, that uh, Herod the Great, this is Antipas's father, had uh, his own sons executed, had two of his sons executed. And his father, uh, Herod the Great, was actually the one that ordered the massacre of all the male children that were under the age of two during the time of Christ's birth. So, you know, his his father was a tyrant. Uh, Herod Antipas, uh, Antipas was kind of a uh, uh, looked to the populace to make decisions. He wasn't a, wasn't necessarily a great leader. Uh, he was a little bit of a tyrant himself, paranoid even. So Herod Antipas, however, is the governor of Galilee and Perea. Uh, if you think of Galilee, we see that on the map. We see Galilee being that northern section of Israel. Now, Perea is the Transjordan region. That's the other side of the Jordan River. So if you picture that that piece of land that runs between the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, but it's on the east side of the Jordan River. That region, the Transjordan region, is known as Perea. That is where Herod Antipas is going to be governor. He's governor of Perea as well as Galilee. And we also know from the previous chapter that there was a lady named Joanna. Joanna was the wife of Herod's steward, Cusa. 
and this Joanna was a follower of Jesus. So there's no doubt that Herod Antipas had heard a lot about this Jesus. In fact, this is the same Herod who had John the Baptist uh, beheaded through some manipulation of his wife. So we again we see all of these things happening and we see this is not a this is not a pleasant family. Uh they they are paranoid, they want to hold on to power, uh they are uh ruthless in many respects, but the idea here is I want you to see who they who they were as a family. The title itself tetrarch means that he was a leader of one fourth. Um think of it this way as Antipas uh was the tetrarch or leader of one-fourth, that he had Galilee and Perea. We know that. Uh, then we also have Archelaus. Archelaus was an ethnarch. He wasn't quite 18, so the Roman government didn't give him the title of tetrarch. Uh, they gave him the title of ethnarch. Uh, what that means is that he was the leader over an ethnic group. And he was given Judah and Samaria to rule over. Now, the Roman government was just basically going to watch him to see what type of his leadership was. And if he was a good leader, then they would move him from what they called ethnarch to a tetrarch. The problem was the Roman government really wasn't happy with Archelaus. Uh, he was removed from leadership by 6 AD. I believe he was sent to France after that. Uh, but then they went through four Roman leaders in the next 20 years. The Roman leaders at this point uh, they they said, you know what, we're not going to do ethnarchs anymore. We're not going to do uh, any type of local uh, leader from within to lead these people. Instead, we're going to send in our own uh, governor uh, from the Roman government. So at this point, they're, they're no longer interested in getting a Hebrew. They're no longer interested in getting someone who is native to that community to serve as the governor. So they sent in their own governor to, to serve over the Samaria and over the Judea region. So we have the first governor uh, of that region that follows Archelaus. And like I said, they're going to go through four of them. By the time we get to 26 AD, they, have, they appoint their fifth governor of Judea, and that's going to be a man by the name of Pontius Pilate. So during Jesus' ministry, we have uh, Herod Antipas, who is the tetrarch over Galilee and Perea. Archelaus is, was one of the ethnarchs, uh, one of the four, but he is now no longer uh, leading that area. They've gone through several governors. They're now at Pontius Pilate, but keep in mind, he is not Jewish. And then one of the other four, initially four leaders, uh, was Salome or Salome, depends on, uh, some people pronounce it both ways, but uh, she was a tetrarch over Jamnia. Jamnia is about 30 miles south of Tel Aviv. If you if you just go straight west from Jerusalem, it's right in that area, right up next to the Mediterranean Sea. Just a little small area, but she died in 10 AD, so she's out of the picture by the time Jesus' uh, ministry begins. And then the fourth one would have been Philip the tetrarch. Uh, Philip is still in power during Jesus' ministry. He was there throughout Jesus' ministry. Uh, Philip the Tetrarch was over the region known as uh, Syria. Syria is northeast of Israel, and you can see that on the map as well. Now, why is all of that important? The importance of that is this, that the family itself was filled with corruption. 
When we see Herod Antipas, we, you know, we should think corruption and scandal, selfishness, paranoia, his desire for power. That's the type of leader that we're dealing with. And Herod Antipas was Jewish, but he held the office as a client of the Roman government. And the scriptures say that he, that's Herod Antipas, heard all that Jesus had done, and he was perplexed. He was perplexed. Herod Antipas was a typical politician. I mean, he wants to hold on to his political influence, and he typically does whatever the populace wants, but he does it in a cowardice way. Yet, as a Jew himself, he likely saw Jesus as a threat to his political power, but he was perplexed by Jesus' leadership. So the question then is, what was it about Jesus' leadership? I mean, he's hearing these things, seeing these things, seeing people within his own influence, sphere of influence, that are becoming followers of Jesus. Well, let's look at Jesus' leadership. We're going to do a little bit of back and forth here, but let's pick up at verse 23. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. You know, for those who saw Jesus as a political Messiah, this would really be a perplexing campaign slogan, wouldn't it? I mean, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. Those are typically not words that you're going to see on a political campaign poster. How about this one? Uh, Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. How in the world you would get elected as a politician, I don't know. And I think this is some of the things that Jesus said that would have been perplexing uh, to Herod Antipas. He's seeing this and going, if this is the Messiah, he's saying strange things, but yet people are following him. Well, it's important for us to understand that every single day, we are called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross We are to die to self and to the world in order to follow Jesus. This was a perplexing thought to Herod Antipas as he heard about Jesus. Why would people follow a leader like that? Well, ultimately, the answer is in verse 25. Jesus said these words, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? When we give up our personal pursuits of power, fame, and money for his sake, we find an abundant and meaningful life. Jesus is the only one truly worth following because he leads us to life. 